Welcome to The Clean Project, promoting real, transparent, and faithful conversations about purity and sexuality in today's culture. In this episode, Gavin and I will be exploring the fundamental issues surrounding sexuality, identity, and righteous living on campus and in the culture. So, without further delay, let's get to our show. Kind of the context for the show, we mentioned this earlier, is this book, Clean, by Doug Weiss, Proven Plan for Men Committed to Sexual Integrity. From the book, I really like this analogy, called it a holy hologram. When we look at somebody, whether online in a video we shouldn't be watching, or just in on social media, it's another way we can lust after people. Sometimes you got social media, it's like, man, this is just a meat market. Like people are just putting their bodies on display here. And But the idea of looking at someone three-dimensionally, that people are more than just their profile page. They're more than just what they wear as they're walking around about the way. Like there's a story behind each of their lives. And I think if you're currently caught in addiction to porn, or you're in a relationship with somebody and you're not really thinking about doing the right thing and separating, evaluating if you want to marry that person or not, consider like that person's whole life and story and how they're more than just a body that you want to have pleasure with. That person is going to be a mother, likely going to be a mother or a father one day. They're somebody's son or daughter. How does that affect the way you now view that person objectively versus are you just subjectively using them to get pleasure? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a practical mindset to have that kind of fills into that is this person is a creation Mm. by God, the creator, who ultimately Jesus wants to have a relationship with. Mm. If it's another Christian, for example, this is a person, this is a child of God, right? So that Matthew 18 verse can still be applicable Mm -hmm. to a child of God, to any human. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is essentially degrading that person to their body or whatever desires you have to that, whatever pleasures you seek from them. It's degrading not only to that person, but to yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at that person three-dimensionally or four-dimensionally and just Mm -hmm. understanding that there's one, a spiritual component, Mm Two, this is a living and breathing human being created by God. Mm -hmm. That mindset alone places more value on a person. And I think that helps me and not even in a clean living way, but in a way of following the law of loving your neighbor Mm -hmm. as yourself, understanding, okay, I have love for myself. Why? Because I'm a person. I know my whole life, blah, blah, blah. I need to love another person and treat them and see them Mm -hmm. as if they grew up or they went through the same things or different things that I did. You know, it's seeing them as more. Right. I think that's what that three-dimensional mindset perspective can really help with. Ooh, it's actually technically Um, four dimensions when you factor in spiritual identity. Oh, dang, that's clean. Come on. Come on. Clean. Exactly. And that's the truth of it, right? Yeah. We just simply acknowledging this is a spiritual being this is a human being mm. a person created by god gives them the value you know it get, it almost makes you take a step back mm. and all it is and is what all god needs is it's giving room for the holy spirit to intercede it's yeah, good all you need is to give room yeah right I want you to think about this too, you know, because this is something we don't often think about, especially, you know, for us that are single 
single and searching you know there's some very attractive yeah i'm speaking for a man there's some very attractive women out there that i'm like man whoever marries that woman's going to be in good shape you know at the same time you know i wonder as you're walking by it's like what if that was my wife like and you can tell sometimes do people <laughs> sometimes i watch to see if other people notice like attractive people <laughs> but i think the difference is more like maybe this is encouragement for younger people but as a man when you get older when you age a little you do kind of look at people and things a little differently if you're in the process like if you're actually like you know maturing and it's still a struggle but i don't really like i'm gonna say i don't lust i would say it's not as intense because i've just my preferences what i desire has changed but i think it's still very much a reality i'd say the biggest encouragement is to start treating some of the women around you like they're your sisters or you're they're your daughters in certain cases like you wouldn't want you know someone addicted to porn to date your daughter it's a fact like you wouldn't want your kids to engage in things outside of marriage because it's destructive you know you want them to do it right do you, is there anything that you want to, um, what do you want to, you want to get in the scriptures? So I've been going through and I'm trying to do a slower, deeper dive into Genesis mm -hmm. just because not even from the apologetics view, but just like conversational, um, newer Christian, whatever. Yeah. You point them towards the new Testament, you know, they start in that whatever, but some of the things in the old Testament, you know, that you're reading, you know, incest or polygamy, got, whatever the case. I'm so glad you went old Testament. Cause I got a couple of things from old Testament too, that just when I saw, just blew me away i'm like wow and when you tie it into the conversation that we're having it makes complete sense but yeah go right. ahead yeah and um well basically a lot of questions first question that always arises when you know someone reads through the new testament understands how it all comes together and how christ in the end sets the you know the final standard they go back and read the old testament and their first question is always why why would god allow this like what is this and what changed wow. I think it's a fair question to ask. You know, sometimes you're reading the Old Testament, and you're like, wait, these people are cousins? What? You know, or yeah. multiple wives or, or taking to slave women or whatever the case yeah. may be. I think one underlying thing that we can definitely highlight and notice is that it's talked about as a reward, as a blessing of bearing children. Mm. of childbearing right mm. and you know we're looking at it from kind of our selfish standpoint it's like oh one you need one wife you need this you need that mm. you know and oh why can he do this that and the third but god is blessing generations and generations mm. although you know polygamous or multiple wives or multiple whatever these children are being blessed these children are blessings to the woman who was a slave and that fruit of life is yeah. just there's important there's something there with that which yeah, I, I like that man deeper into and do next gen taking a stab at polygamy from the old testament man we need more of these combos yeah because these kind of like sidelines like when you're doing evangelism or apology people want to go here and debate out and of course, they never really do the deep work. They don't get in the word and do the hermeneutics. They don't look at the context and, you know, the hagiographic literature and the context behind it. Like, they don't look at, oh, yeah, right here, God's allowing genocide. Like, dude, what? Read the actual texts. That's not what the Bible says. That's what you heard on YouTube. Just do the work. And there's some questions there. Like, what you see is God working through the fallenness of man to redeem something. Like, I brought this up in the past but we think that we're civilized and progressive today. We would never do some of the things the ancients do. We abort babies like it's going out of style. 
Right. Like we put the ancients to shame with some of the stuff we do today. Like, don't try to like pretend because we're in 2023 that we somehow evolved and we have we're so moral. I mean, you know, I think we're more aware. We've made a lot of major improvements, especially if you live in a big country like the U.S. But we just talked about the sound of freedom, bro. Like, we're the biggest consumers of child porn, right? And child trafficking. That's a real conversation point. So if you're gonna point back to Old Testament, well, God bless this, and like God's also blessing sinners now. Right. And working with sinners now, like, and if anything, God's never really condoning a lot of this. He's working through humans to ultimately fulfill his will. God's interested in fulfilling his will. Right. And defeating sin. But that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, keep going. I got some couple of things from Old Testament too you may like, but any story in particular that what, like, what got you on that thread? So I actually, with Savannah, she, um, I think she's a little head of, she's an exodus now. Um, and you know she's she's newer to faith she's questioning a lot but she's a reader man and one thing that i that even convicting to me um uh because you know i'm not like a book reader like even outside of the bible yeah. you know some people they read for fun and savannah one of those people she reads she enjoys to read whatever so she's reading scripture, yeah, I've seen that. reading and consuming scripture and i'm like oh i gotta catch up now and i'm not like ladies man telling you yeah so uh, do, okay i got something for you i caught this when i was doing i was going through the bible and i'm still in old testament but it really like gave me some insight as to just how serious the problem of sexual morality is and i'm talking like in the most holy place so go to exodus 38 8 some context here the jewish people were taken out of egypt you know moses was god's instrument to bring them out and what happens when they get in the wilderness is well unchecked they're going to default to what they just learned for generations in egypt you know the sexual morality the worshiping of other gods and what's interesting by now god's already given moses the pattern for the tent the tabernacle that god's presence would dwell in and we don't, we're not going to be able to unpack all this and i think visually you'll want to like check out some good youtubes on what it looked like the form and function of the tabernacle this essentially was god's it was a meeting place god established for priests to make offerings on behalf of the people's sins it was literally a mobile confessional booth, if you'd say, but instead of the people going in there and speaking directly to the priest, the priest would go to God on behalf of the people. What we discovered later in the New Testament, it was all meant as a representation for ultimately God who's going to dwell in our hearts. Essentially, at one point, we had that in the garden, man fell, God reestablishes that relationship or starts the tent or the tabernacle, where a representative, a priest would go in the most holy place and speak with God in his presence above, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. So he, he moves from the tent to the temple. And the temple is kind of like the tent, but it's more established. It's a permanent fixture that's in Jerusalem, right? That's in God's holy city. And that's another progression of God's movement. He's moved him from a wandering tribe of people to a city, a dwelling place. And then from there, God's ultimate fulfillment of that is to dwell inside of man. And that really is kind of the mystery of ages, that God, as a perfect creator, would dwell within imperfect people, making them pure. 
That's what we're talking about here. Like you're clean because of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, not because of moral deeds. Just washing the outside of the cup's not going to do it. And what that gets you access to is the same God that those high priests once a year on behalf of the people's sins could access to. We get that all the time. That right there is the most scandalous aspects of Christian faith, I believe, is that every other religion people worship is a false God. It's not a real God. And Christians, people who follow Jesus that have Holy Spirit, get to access God whatever they want bro that's like legit um here's the context so ezekiel 38 8 um, can you read like a few scriptures before and after oh ezekiel 38 8 at least like oh, texas 38 8. Oh, okay. yeah so read um i'll read 4 through 4 through 12 okay you got it all right by the way for context we're going to go back to old testament we're in the tent of meeting or the tabernacle that the jewish people had set up because god told moses to set it up this is the mobile sacrifice atonement dwelling place of god anyway go ahead okay so um verse 4 and he made for the altar a grating of bronze netting under its ledge reaching halfway up he also cast four rings on the four ends of the bronze grating as the holders for the poles he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze then he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to carry it he made it hollow with planks and then here's verse 8. Moreover, he made the basin of bronze with its base of bronze from the mirrors of the serving women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And then, uh, verse 9. Then he made the courtyard for the south side of the hangings of the courtyard were of fine twisted linen, a hundred cubits. Their 20 pillars and their 20 bases were made of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the north side, there were a hundred cubits. They're basically just describing the, what is this, a tabernacle that they're describing? We're talking about all the intricacies of the tabernacle and how God wanted it ordered and designed. And yeah, so you have to read the whole chapter and then the book in context. But yeah, go ahead. Um, verse 12, where we left off. You can finish that last one. Okay, for the west side, there were hangings of 50 cubits, with their 10 pillars and their 10 bases, the hooks of the pillars and the bands were of silver. Right. So in context here, this chapter is addressing the altar burnt offering, including all the vestments, the courtyard, the basins for washing. When God explains details of certain things he wants built, size and dimension, all this has meaning. And some of it actually does play out in the life of Jesus. It plays out redemptively over time. Everything from the materials, whether it's made out of metals, all these have very specific meaning to it. We'll see some of these things play the Clean Project is now available via RSS on all major streaming platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, among others. Please write a five-star review if you like the show to help our feed reach a broader and more diverse audience. Additionally, if you're needing individual coaching or mentorship for combating any of the issues addressed in the show, please visit www.thecleanproject.net slash support and select the book and appointment link for more details. Now, let's get back to the exciting conclusion of this episode. Here's what's important. Um, I'm curious, are you in a hotel or are you at home? Oh, I'm at home. I'm in my room. It, it just looks, Oh, I didn't, this is my aunt. She designed this room, whatever. No, no I'm going to tell you what's wild. Like I knew I wanted to talk about this beforehand, but I think it's even more incredible just seeing your room. Like you have behind, you guys don't see this on the podcast, but behind Gavin is this big bronze, it almost looks like a shield 
on his wall. Like a disc, like a symbol. A drum symbol. Yeah. And it's made out of brass. So it looks like it's made out of brass. And then he's got a mirror that has like the match and like brass kind of frame to it. It looks actually very antique, which is kind of interesting. And I think what's fascinating, because this is how's Jason, how's the side of the conversation? Because what are we doing in this entire chapter? He's just talking about God's informing Moses how he wants the tent made. And they're getting into the specifics of the types of wood, the length and depth of each of these items, the horn, all this has symbolism. God doesn't miss a single detail. Or why bronze? I think it's because bronze doesn't rust as easily and all these things, right? Well, here's what's interesting. There's this little detail in verse eight. They made the bronze basin and the bronze stand and from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So like you can Google this, you will not see this in a lot of visual illustrations of the tabernacle. If anything, if they do a really good job, you'll see like a little priest, kind of a couple priests walking around and sacrificing that bull. Like you'll see this in a visual or like a video, but I've never seen this detail where women would serve at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And you know, uh, I think the commentary I read, there's one other place this is mentioned in scripture. And guess what? Go to 1 Samuel 2.22. This is something that's fascinating. By the way, so the context of the women there, the high priest before he would enter into the tent, make sure all my stuff is, is straightened up before I go and talk to God. Yeah, so 1 Samuel 2.22. Uh, do you want to read? Maybe do this. Can you start with verse 18 and end at 26? Yeah. All right, verse 18. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen epoch, and his mother would make for him a little robe and would bring it up to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she requested of the Lord. And they went to their own home. The Lord indeed visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew up before the Lord. I didn't watch this. Now Eli was very old, and he heard about everything that his sons were doing to all Israel, and that they slept with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why are you doing such things as these, the evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one person sins against another, God will mediate for them. But if a person sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel was continuing to grow up to be in favor both with the Lord and with the people. All right, so we get some more context here. Forgot to mention this. I think there's another reference, but it's indirect. It's in um, the Gospel of Luke. Anna, the prophetess, is also. Um, there are women in the temple that serve in some capacity or volunteer. Very cool. Like I said, so this is what stuck out to me. There's a couple places in Scripture that talks about these women, and like I said, we don't typically see this in visual representations and any type of illustration form. But here's what really stuck out to me when I saw this. So what is a mirror? It's a reflection. Right. And James also talks about this. The man who simply hears and does nothing about it is like a man catching the reflection of his own face in a mirror. He sees himself and immediately leaves and forgets what he looks like. And he's talking about the heart, right? So we need to check ourselves before we go into the presence of God. Mm. We need to examine our ways before we take communion. 
I love this. You know, when we were doing missions work recently and came back from the DR and we'd talk about doing communion together and we would check our hearts, you know, because you're entering into the presence of a living God. This is a big deal. Well, here's what's interesting. I'm talking to people within the faith here, but this is important, I think, for people outside. Eli was a high priest. We're fast forwarding. So generations later, Eli had two sons. They were wicked. They were supposedly priests, the sons of the high priest, and they were doing wrong. Here's the thing. When people forget the traditions and they forget their calling identity, the very place of blessing, they will turn into a curse by the way they live. Mm. And so what were these sons doing? And Eli, I think, was actually a pretty righteous dude, but he didn't discipline his kids. And there's another proverb about, you know, don't spare your children the rod. Here's why it's important. They're sleeping with these women at the tent that are supposed to be holding a mirror up to their soul. Well, what do we do when we have Holy Spirit and we masturbate? Or we get engaged in an unhealthy relationship with the women. When we know we're supposed to check our hearts, let's be honest, how many Christians here, you know, two hands raised, have prayed to God in the secret place. And then, you know, also not too long after that, go and masturbate. Or you try to walk out a healthy relationship with the person and then you fall and y'all are going to church together. That's what this passage spoke to me. And here's another thing that's even more profound. I think I did a talk on this, a teaching on this one time, one in Ephesians. Um, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to husbands. Those women, think of it in a marriage context. Your wife, if you're in a relationship with, you know, you're dating to marry, that woman of God, that man of God should be reminding you of your identity. And the mirrors they hold up, our significant others hold up in our lives should be reminding us of our identity and the word. Well, if we violate that, then what do you think the outcome of that's going to be in our lives? Like we're going to fall, we're going to have struggles in our relationship with God. And so I think often we look at that, like it goes back to the Holy Hologram. Is this person just in my life so I can use them for sex, mm. feel powerful, or are they there to help remind me of my identity in Christ? Right. And if that person is in Christ, then they should be a reflection of Jesus, not an object, an idol to worship. I know I probably read a little bit into that scripture, but I found it fascinating that that detail was kind of like stuck right in the middle of all these like definitions and measurements of the temple. Like, why is there a woman? And I just wonder the responsibility of a priest as men were priests of our homes and our families. The influence that we have over the women in our lives is profound. And that's why I think there's a lot of attack there because a lot of people have been let down by their fathers or their mothers and they want an example of somebody that's doing it right. I don't know. What are your thoughts? That was a lot. I think what I take away from that is um, you kind of touched on it. It was kind of a touch and go kind of thing, but it was uh, when we don't acknowledge the blessing, the gift, the grace mm-hmm. around us, whether it was given to us by our father. And so in this sense, it was the sons perverting the holy tabernacle and the women there at the tabernacle applying that us the grace are calling given to us by god in our life with our lifestyle we can easily be in the tabernacle in around the secret place and still pervert things in our lives and be blind to the to the wickedness that we're doing you know and uh the Bible says things done in secret will be made known in light. And we see that in the scripture as well. Eli knew about his son, the Christians, the followers, the Jews, they, they heard about it. They were talking about it. And it got back around to the father and the father confronts them and they're like, you know, whatever. And they go back into it. Yeah, even the Jews knew about it. Yeah, it was public. By the way, they had already moved to a temple then. So it went from the right. tent to the temple at that point. And I think actually what's incredible is the difference is what happens over the course of seasons. So the temple 
intent was very raw, like God had moved in supernatural ways. The Jewish people still would have had this awe, like fear of seeing the cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and God miraculously moving people through the Red Sea, all that. But here, you know, they're in a temple, and now it's like the high priest and the family of the priests are corrupt. The nation mm. itself has fallen so much in their immorality practices surrounding them. I think it was like the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, right? right? So at this point, when Eli's a high priest, like things are really bad in Jerusalem or Israel. Like things are really not good. And they have a temple, like they have a nation and a temple. They didn't have that back then. So this is what I also think, like you're on a journey of faith and you remember how vivid it was like to walk with God and to see miracles and you're hungry. Guys, when you're young in college, go all in. Like your brain is never going to be more active to memorize scripture, to like get the word out. I think that's why Jesus chose a bunch of young people as disciples. Y'all are like bold. But what happens over time and season when you don't cultivate that relationship, you're not checking your heart, you're not getting clean morally and your kids aren't being disciplined, they're not being raised in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. You send them off to college and I'm not going to get into all that. But I mean, it's like, bro, you might have all the outside of appearances of godliness, but the inside is decaying. And you want to know why I'm saying that? It's because brother, I've been at this for a while now. It wears down on you. You got to stay right. focused. got to keep the oil in the lamp. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you may have it appear like you have it all together. When you're decaying on the inside, just as in this scripture said, people take notice as well. Mm -hmm. So you have it together. You, you're, you're fooling yourself only. Ooh. You're only fooling yourself in this situation because other people are the ones taking notice. Mm. So even when you are, and get it, come on. Ooh. Come on. And, that, and they don't want your faith. They don't want the faith of Jesus because they see and, you. you see? And, and look, and we're blessed to have a gracious and merciful God because verse 25, it says, they did not listen to the word of their father and the Lord desired to put them to death. But because of their father, he had grace and yeah. going back to show the same God that wanted ah. to said the Lord desired to put them to death. The same God in Exodus 34 verse 5 says, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing and violation of his law and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren of the third and fourth generation. Generational consequences. Look at Israel now, like you said, generational it's the whole sowing and reaping kind of factor mm. and no we're not under the same law in which we are punished directly for our sin blah 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 no that's not the case but there is still reality and danger in these secret sins in mm. these in sowing because that's what we're doing when you have secret sin you're not you're fooling everyone but yourself you're sowing seeds mm. of wickedness so when these fruit come to pass and you're not uprooting them with the holy spirit by breaking these patterns of sin you come to question oh god why are these things happening to me why are these hardships coming across now mm. and these are laws these are spiritual mm. laws and principles that cannot and will not be changed so for all of eternity because that's how god set the kingdom the earth the heavens and the earth to operate this place where we are now operates in a realm that is spiritual that has law and order wow so there are consequences there mm. are sowing and reaping mm. principles to every practice we do in our life yeah yep Oof. Slip to preaching there too. I got that. That's good, man. I, I don't want to cut you. It came off. out pretty smooth. I'm excited to see what this finished project looks like uh, once we finish it up. Send it to me, of course. I'm gonna send it to my people still, and maybe they'll get back to me on this one because I know I'm you're just like breaking out here. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go and do this. So let's go and kind of wrap this one up. Right. So real quick in review, guys. If you haven't seen? We'll try to drop some links in the show notes here, the comments. Uh, Down to Freedom movie. Put some links to the scriptures mentioned in the show, the book that I'm currently working 
working with. Uh, it's called Clean by Doug Weiss. Very good resource. I mean, there's good stuff on YouTube, but you know, just get in the scripture, find a good, healthy church, if you're on campus, get plugged into a college ministry. If you need information for that, reach out through the show. We'll get you in touch with someone. So next week we'll hit on this is important. I want to talk about forgiveness. We have the opportunity to reconcile with people we've heard, confessing our sins. We'll talk about James 5, 16. And then practicals, like, hey man, you know, what do I do? I got the phone and social media, all this stuff. How can we actually like eliminate porn from our lives in today's age with all the technology and stuff? Um, and how do we get back to biblically centered manhood or uh, womanhood or just following Jesus? How does that look for a generation that's absorbed with a lot of this? So yeah, we'll, we'll unpack that more. And then course, last guys, we're going to work on some official clean project drip. Ooh. I'm thinking like a t-shirt, maybe a hat. We'll see, but we'll keep it simple. It'll be authentic. You'll want to rock it. Spread the message. I'll have Gavin work up the technicals for that. Mm, trucker hat. Doing trucker hat. Clean living with the cross on it. Yeah. Come on, somebody. We'll do it. So, all right. We'll see you next time. I got my boy Gavin right here. G Clark. He's the lamb. If you guys need any information, reach out and then we'll follow up. Bless y'all. Blessings. Thank you for listening to another engaging episode of The Clean Project. Please review the show notes for helpful links and resources and share with a like-minded peer in your sphere of influence. Lastly, if you found this message beneficial, consider becoming a financial partner to the project. You can visit www.thecleanproject.net for more details. Until next episode, this is your host, Jason, signing off. Peace.